The Orlando Magic are taking over the NBA. They've beaten the Bucks. They've beaten the Celtics. They've beaten the Lakers. They've beaten everybody. We're going to be ranking them in all of the 10-win teams, and we're finishing up with the worst take of the month. Patrick. What's up, man? Ready to get magical? Oh, I, I am so <laughs> ready to get magical. Have you ever seen the, um, when the Orlando Magic, like, originally became a team, they have, like, Disney made them this song, and it's like, Orlando Magic, Orlando Magic. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. It's an amazing song. You, I, I think I've heard it, but I think the best like team song is the Sixers song that plays every time the Sixers win. Oh yeah, that's like, the, an oldie but a goodie. Yeah. It's an absolute classic. All right, these these Magic, they are second in defensive rating. They're sixth in net rating. What is this like? Are they a contender in the East? What's going on right now? Well, let's let's finish going through the record. So they're twelve and five. They have a six point two point differential. They're kind of they're kind of on like a crazy hot streak, as we said in the opener. They've beaten the Celtics in their in season tournament game. They've beaten the Bucks. They've beaten the Lakers. They've kind of beaten like all of these pretty good teams. Um, you know what, Patrick? I think we should start with the defense. So they are second in defensive rating. They're allowing one hundred and seven point five points per hundred, which is just a staggeringly good defense. Insanely good. Um, they're really big on the perimeter, two through four. Everyone there is pretty big, like Paulo, Franz. These guys are all around 6'10". Now that they're playing Goga, he's around 6'11". So they have more size down low than they did with Wendell Carter, um, who I noticed is sneakily listed at 6'10 now, so he might have grown an inch. But, Patrick, weird comparison. You know what this team reminds me of, and I think people are going to think I'm crazy, just watching them. They remind me of the big three Miami Heat, just in terms of the way it's like, all these guys who are kind of big on the perimeter, maybe not the biggest in the center position, but they're swarming. They're kind of moving. It's like crazy. It's chaotic. I mean, that's kind of what it reminds me of. Yeah, defensively, I, I guess I kind of see where you're coming at, especially in like their Jonathan Isaac minutes where he's like their rangy LeBron type. And then you've got Suggs running around doing his best Dwayne Wade impression. You've got like big guards up and down the roster. I, I, I see it. I see the vision. I know people are people are going to go crazy at that. Um, yeah, I mean, comparison. obviously, none of these guys are as good as those guys, yeah, especially but, on offense. But in terms of just like they're swarming, right? They're like hedging up on pick and rolls when the other team is running. Actually, gets their pick and roll off. They're kind of swarming. They have these long arms everywhere, and it's like there's so much movement and chaoticness. And I think that's why they are leading the NBA in turnover rate at seventeen point six, which. I decided to look back because I felt like that was a pretty high rate of forcing turnovers. And basically, they're one of the best turnover forcing teams of like the last like five, six years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that all it really positional size outside of the center position is really where they like get their bones. I mean, this is a team at the end of the day, they're an elite defensive team. And they thrive on second chance opportunities. They're leading the league in second chance points this year. Um, they, I think they share the ball relatively well, but they just, they don't really have like that classic table setter. Um, we kind of, so, um, Markel Fultz came into the season. He was going to be their starting point guard five games in, he got hurt. So we haven't seen much of him. And then also in that same game, they lost Wendell Carter. So <laughs> two starters, Going into the season, you lose them five games in, and they have not looked back at all. Um, 
it's it's really hard to wrap my head around the fact that in this like offensive rush of an of an NBA era that we're in that a team that is really built around their defense in the way that this team is. I, I think there's a lot of like comparison points to like what we've seen from the Timberwolves this year, but they don't have like the just absolute like go-to scores that the Timberwolves have. Um, I, I guess like, do you think it's sustainable the, the, what they're doing? So I don't. Uh, I really don't, and I know Magic fans probably think I'm piling on the Haterade. A week ago, I think it might, I was a worst take nominee. I said the Magic were going to fall down the standings. They've only gone undefeated since then. So they're 16th in offensive rating at 113.6. So they're pretty much a middling offense. Uh, they're 23rd in half-court offense at 93. So they've actually ticked up on offense overall and in the half-court. Here's where I, this is why I really do think this team is going to regress a bit, especially on offense. So right now, they are last in mid-range shooting. They are last, or they are 26 in three-point shooting accuracy. So this is a bottom-tier shooting team. They can't shoot. They just straight-up can't shoot. But the reason the offense has been middling, despite their inability to shoot, is they're also bottom three in attempts at mid-range in three points. They basically just say, let's go strength for strength. Let's only attack the rim. So they're number one in rim attempts. 42% of their shots are at the rim. Not like close to the rim, at the rim. So almost half of this team's shots are at the rim. Obviously, that's generating a lot of free throws. Um, similar to the Thunder we talked about, this team has that kind of feeling where pretty much like any, when anyone but Goga touches the ball, the other team is like, uh-oh, this guy's going to the rim because Paulo wants to go to the rim. Franz wants to go to the rim. Suggs wants to go to the rim. Everyone on this team is like constantly attacking the rim. Um, and the way this team, I've noticed I was kind of watching, and at first I was like, why is the other team like glued to everyone on this team when they can't shoot? Like, why are people just like hugging people's hips? And I realized kind of the secret sauce of the offense that's kept it afloat is there's so much movement and handoff options and cutting where people don't want to go under these screens, even with these non-shooters, because once they turn the corner with Apollo or Franz or Suggs, like they're going downhill, and it's really hard to stop Paulo Bancaro when he's got momentum. So because there's so much cutting and there's so much movement, they've done a really good job of offsetting their lack of shooting ability. The reason I do think the offense is due for regression, though, is because I think teams are going to kind of figure out a way to slow down an offense that is just so, like, we don't shoot the ball. We only lay it up. Like I think, I think other NBA teams are going to be like, all right, we can – yeah, it's like we can, we can figure a way to slow this down. It's like your classic like fastball pitcher that is just gonna like he's throwing a hundred miles an hour every time he lets the ball go, but that is his the only pitch in his bag, and it gets it does get a little repetitive. But I think the like intensity that they play with is what makes it like so. Work. Hard to deal with and work thus far, at least. Yeah, I mean, I was pretty low on their overall ceiling. I think I said I think they're going to be a playing team. I'm actually higher on their overall ceiling now than I was a week ago. And it is because I do think the defense is going to be a little bit more sustainable than I do think it is. Um, I think last week I said I think the defense is going to fall off. And some of what I said did come true. I said their rim protection numbers are going to go down. They have gone down about 3%. So, like, I do think that is going to keep trending. But, like... Man, this swarming defense, like, it gives a lot of these teams a lot of problems. It kind of, like, makes teams, like, a little uneasy to get into their normal sets, you know, especially because it is one of these young teams that's, like, like you said, full throttle every possession of the game. And a lot of, you know, NBA teams are not operating at full throttle speed in the regular season as much as uh, Adam Silver would want us to believe otherwise. Uh, one fun stat, Jonathan Isaac, their <laughs> defensive rating when he's on the court is 98. 
Yeah, that's he's only playing like insane. twelve minutes a game, but that's twelve minutes where they're just really, really good. And then another player on their offense that has a similar effect on their offense. Do you want to guess who it is? I, I think I do know who it is. It's our Australian correspondent, yes, Joe, Joe Ingles. Ingles. So their offense actually spikes when Joe's on the court. Um, and you really see it. When you watch their games, it's one of those weird things where you're like, Joe Ingles? You're like, yeah, Joe Ingles makes a lot of really good passes. He makes nice pocket passes. He does a lot of smart, just veteran things out there. Obviously, he can shoot. His shooting has not been the greatest this year, but like he's a legitimate threat team's respect. Uh, when Joe Ingles is on the court, Patrick, they have a 124.6 offensive rating. That is really Really good. We were talking about um, prime Miami LeBron. If you just merge Jonathan Isaac and Joe Ingles, you can have that similar kind of effect right there. Um, Yeah, Joe Ingles is really, really good. I I wish I went through a Jonathan Isaac-Joe Ingles combo lineup to see what it does. But the Joe Ingles, just any lineup with Joe Ingles, is plus 13 um, point differential. So the defense doesn't tail off that much when he's on the court because they're insulating him with four other really good defensive players. And that is why you put veterans on young teams. There was such like a... What? Why, Magic? Why are you like bringing Joe Ingles into this mix? And I mean, we've been, we've all been proved silly thus far. But yeah, I, I want to shine on um, just their their guards uh, a little bit. I was super low on Anthony Black coming into um, the draft and coming into the season, and I just like I see it. I, like I test that guy is like the perfect connector. In their offense, he's positionally, like, has such great size. And I think, like, that's an area where I feel like their offense, like, could improve. Because there's still some, like, rookie things that that go on there um, that, that I've seen. And I think that Magic fans should be super impressed there. Um, I mean, I've always been a Cole Anthony fan. Like, that is just, like, a tough shot taker, a tough shot maker. They've gotten really really great minutes from him off the bench and then i mean i think jalen suggs is like one of the most fun players to watch yeah we were talking before the show jalen suggs for those of you who haven't watched a lot of magic games is going to be the next like marcus smart maybe not dirty but like draymond type player where like magic fans love him and if you're not a magic fan you are you are going to hate him yeah yeah (laughs) he is going to piss off a lot of fan bases whoever they play in the first round of the playoffs is going to hate Jalen Suggs I'm just gonna call that now just like uh, there will be when he plays your team he is going to do something he's gonna like trip your best player and your best player is gonna get called for the foul and then he's just gonna start clapping in their face and and screaming Screaming. right down on them yep he's that kind of guy if you haven't watched any magic games yet but like I'm so excited to see these this team in they they clinched their group I believe in, in the, the in season tournament. tournament. Yes, also Patrick, I think this team has one of the best in season tournament courts. Okay, yeah. The magic I, I the magic lettering across the middle is just it's like the chef's kiss of court That's design. That's a really nice logo. The colors are not too loud. Like watching the game doesn't make your eyes like kind of hurt. It just their in season tournament games are pleasant to watch. Their um jersey also really looks Good nice on the court. against yeah. it because it's like mainly black, but it's got the blue in there and it's got the gray. So it's not like the exact same color yeah. there in camo. Um, So I guess the other thing that is they have a really easy schedule coming up. So the Magic are kind of well positioned. Overall, though, what do you, now that we've kind of done a deeper dive into them than we did last week, what is your like kind of ceiling for them? 
I mean, as a regular season team, uh, I think their ceiling is a top four uh, team in the East. Uh, they're just, they're a young team. We've seen this time and time again. They're going to bring it every single night. And I think as they get healthier, as they have more cohesion, they're, I mean, they're the kind of team that we kind of touched on it earlier that just teams are not going to want to play. You know, you're not going to want to get up for a magic game because you know, that's 48 minutes of having your like primary initiator being bugged by Jalen Suggs and Anthony, Anthony Black and Gary Harris. Um, so I'm like, I, I, I'm relatively optimistic for them. I, I, I think that everything is shaping up for them to be a playoff team. Once they get to the playoffs, I am a, a, a little nervous. They, they do a good job of, of getting to the line, um, but they just, I don't see like an easy way to manufacture points in like a, a playoff setting. I think it's going to be pretty easy to scheme against them because they are so one note of getting uh, of getting to the rim. That's pretty much the only way that that they have shown that they're able to score thus far. Um, and, and I mean, it's just the classic thing of great offense always beats great defense. So if they come up against a Boston, if they come up against a Milwaukee, I, I just, I, I don't see it for them. How, how do you feel about? Yeah, I think my ceiling for them in the regular season is going to be four. And that's actually largely due to just kind of looking more deeper into some of these teams as we did our power rankings. Mm -hmm. Um, one thing I like about the Magic, as we talked about, they've beaten so many good teams. And that's like, this isn't a team that's 12 and 5 off like a really, really easy schedule. This is a team that's actually played a fairly difficult schedule and they still have that. Um, I don't think they get higher than four, but I still do think they could drop all the way down into the plan. I do think this, we are at that weird point in the season where teams with this type of record could maintain it or they could go sliding down like Utah did last year. Um, I don't think they'll drop to the plan. I think they will secure one of the spots between four and six. That's kind of where I think they're going to end up now. But yeah, I mean, this team's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, they're they're a lot of fun to watch, and it's like it's an easy team to root for as well. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I guess I guess there's only one way to find out, and that's that's to keep to, to play another eighty games of basketball. Play another. <laughs> I will say, like, there's a little bit of like goosed up of the teams they've beat like the Celtics game they did not have Porzingis or Drew Holiday in that game it was also one of those weird Celtics games where Jalen Brown was like I'm gonna be a superhero today and just failed miserably at the job and like part of that is like you know the magic kind of goading you yeah. into that but also it's like I don't know when Celtics have games where Jalen Brown is like 10 more shot attempts than Tatum it's like that's exactly. not playoff Celtics. Yeah, and, and then and then also they they beat the Nuggets without um, Murray. Murray, which just like they're a completely different team. Which we'll talk about the the Nuggets later. But um, yeah, that's why I think that's kind of my thing is like there just does seem to be that like this is a fun early season team, but like the big flaw of just like they don't shoot and they can't shoot is like as we've seen in like post twenty ten basketball that tends to really rear its head in a bad way for a lot of these teams. Yeah. I'm also interested to see like how their rebounding numbers progress as, as we go further into the season, because it's kind of like their like rebounding rate is like a, a top 10 rate, 
but then the like raw re- rebounding numbers are kind of middling. So I'm wondering like where that is going to end up as the season goes, because I mean, they're, I really like their big rotation. I think each one of the, those guys like on the short roll are, are guys that I trust. Mo Wagner in very limited minutes is scoring like insanely efficiently. But at the end of the day, we're talking about Wendell Carter Jr., Mo Wagner, and Goga Patazzi, guys that we haven't seen do it before. And for a defensive-minded team to have a little bit of a question mark at center, that's that's another place where I, I'm a little bit worried. Yeah, I'm, I, I do think they're going to finish as a top four defense. Just they really do give me those like heat vibes where it's like maybe the center is not the strongest, but there's just so much size and swarming on the perimeter that the other teams just are kind of flummoxed. Um, all right. Well, I guess that's a good clean transition into we are going to power rank the top 11 teams. So the teams, these are the 11 teams that have hit the 10 win mark. Obviously, stop the count. This is the these are the best 11 teams in the NBA. No questions asked. They've hit 10 wins before the other uh you know, 19 teams did. The Pelicans could have been there. Yes. You could have been there, but you couldn't close the deal against the, the Jazz. Jazz. Also, back-to-back losses versus the Jazz last night. I, the Jazz are not as bad as they seem. Like, the Jazz can score in a real way. I, like, they really impressed me in their games against the Suns. That's all I have to say about the Jazz. But they're not, they're not the um, Super Bowl of, like just terribleness that we saw in Pistons Wizards last night. So Patrick, how did you rank these teams? Because I think one team that is really, I found difficult to rank is the Denver Nuggets because they've been without Jamal Murray. So So are you ranking these teams assuming full of health, like kind of a mix? Like how did you rank these teams? I, I, I tried to do like a full like power ranking. So like I'm taking into um, account like, what have we done recently? Like last 10 game stats, last five game stats, like are we gaining momentum? But also I'm th- like, we're not that deep into the season. So I am taking into account, like what were my expectations for you guys? Are you meeting those expectations? Are you overcoming those expectations? Um, I tried to keep like championship equity as far like, removed from at least this exercise as I could. What what were your like main criteria? I kind of ranked them as they are now. Okay. So I yeah. ranked the Nuggets without Murray. Um I ranked the Lakers without Vanderbilt, for mm-hmm. example. Um that's kind of how I went about it. And then I also kind of did a I went through every team's schedule for all 11 of these teams and I wrote down their best win. Okay, I took yeah, note I of, uh, I looked up the strength of schedule stats, kind of took note of which teams are really benefiting from just a softball schedule. And uh, I will say that did play a big part into my ranking. So my fellow uh, Heat fans, be ready. <laughs> um, so Patrick, I guess, who did you have at 11? I had the Dallas Mavericks at number 11. They are 5-5 five and five in their last 10. Um, they We talked about it a lot on this podcast. They started off like an absolute house on fire. Um, and and since then they've they've taken a couple steps back. Their main starting lineup, which is like a huge reason why I had them in in the last spot here of Kyrie Irving, Derek Jones Jr., Luka Doncic, Grant Williams, and Derek Lively. They are actually now a negative lineup, which 
that is the lineup that they have with the the most I, not continuity, but it's the most minutes of any lineup. Um, I think Lively is is he, he'll have one great game, one game where he's just kind of a ghost out there, and I think that that center position is super super important for this Mavericks team. Um, yeah, they've they've cooled off a bit from three. There, um, I love the they're seventh in the league in offensive rating, but twenty third in defensive rating, which is just like really rough. Fifteen, like right in the middle of the league in net rating. I think the Mavericks are probably closer to what we thought they were going to be coming into the season. Right on that, like play in playoff lock bubble um who did you have at, at number 11 so just to touch on the mavericks i had them at eight okay. um and the reason i had them at eight is even though they have been slipping and mavericks fans they are 24th in strength of schedule so they have played a little bit of a softer schedule uh i wrote down their best win is at the magic so from what we've seen so far that's a good win that is a that good is win. a quality yep. win um they also beat the Lakers. They have beaten the Lakers, but okay. I, didn't, I didn't think it, I didn't think it was their best win. Yeah, no, I don't think a home game versus the Lakers defeats an away game at the Magic. But um, uh, the Mavericks. The reason I had them a bit higher than you is just because we are seeing a lot more cohesion between Irving and Doncic. Mm-hmm. Irving is starting to play a lot better, and I think the Mavericks are kind of they're kind of one of those teams where they can kind of beat any team on any given night. They don't. Lively, like their defense is, is an issue, right? Like it, there's no doubt about it, but the offense is good enough to kind of keep them in any game. I, I'm i just a bit higher on them and maybe I'm just a bit lower on the bottom four overall and I kind of don't think there's a big gap between 11 and eight. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. There, there, there really isn't. Um, I, I, I just, um, I mean, I laid it out. Yeah. Who did you have at 11? This is going to shock you. I had one of the better teams record-wise. I had the Thunder. What? So let me let me build out the case. The Thunder are the only team on this list that haven't beaten a good team. The only team they've beaten on the list of eleven teams is the Suns, who were without Booker. Uh, quick Suns context: the Suns are eleven and six, but they're eight and one with Booker. So the Bookerless Suns are a bad team. Yeah, just straight up, the Thunder have team. not beaten any good teams. Uh, I went through their schedule; it's a real cupcake of a schedule. Um. So the thing with the Thunder, right, they're 11 and 5. So record-wise, they're one of the best teams. We've talked about elite spacing with Chet, elite scoring with um, Shea. But we just, they haven't, all of their losses are to, like, the good teams. They just can't beat the good teams. Teams with size, we saw it last night with Embiid, uh, or two nights ago with Embiid. We saw it in their Denver game with Jokic. Like, Chet really cannot guard these big physical centers. And, like, for me, the reason why I have a team like the Mavericks ahead of them is I think the Mavericks could hang with like a Philly. I don't think the Thunder can ever hang with a team like that because of structural issues. Yeah, I would agree with you. Yeah, I, I mean, from a playoff setting, I, I don't. I'm not super high on the Thunder. Um, I will. I will. I have the Thunder in the top half of my rankings just because I, they have vastly over uh achieved on what i assumed that they would be like i think um chet has really o- overachieved in what I, where i thought he was going to be and i think they're going to be the kind of team that is able to rattle off a lot of wins um going forward but wow thunder at number 11 I, you got to beat a good team yeah no hey i hear you the, the way you. i'm kind of viewing this is 
this is like if these teams met in the in-season tournament championship, right? Yeah. Like if they're playing in a high, maybe not a playoff series, but if they're playing in like the in-season tournament playoffs, like, you know, a high leverage one game sample, that's kind of how I'm ranking them. Wait, and, wait, 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 wait. I love this. Okay, wait. So they, they haven't beat a good team. The Warriors aren't a good team. The Warriors are not a good team. The Warriors are not a good team. You heard it here first. I've been saying that all year. Their record is not good. The Warriors are not a good team. The Warriors are... No, I'm with you. I'm with you. I just... I'm glad we're finally but saying Warriors it. context. Warriors have the hardest strength of schedule in the NBA so far. So, mm. if I am uh, a betting man, which you're not allowed to in California, I might be betting some Warriors uh, season overs, depending on how their line has changed, because I think the Warriors are due for some major positive regression yeah yeah and uh draymond's back draymond's back that'll help all right so number 10 i have our local los angeles lakers okay um i have talked so much about the lakers on this podcast um i really like they're 10 and 8 they're the closest to 500 of any of these teams um their best wins have been against the Suns, basically. They beat the Suns twice, and um, neither one of those games did the Suns have oh, Devin Booker. I think I wrote down their best win is home versus the Magic. Yeah, that was an early season. It was. Um, win against the Magic. Um, but that that is like their other win on, the, on this list. Uh, honestly, a huge part of me putting the Lakers this low, I had them a little bit higher, but... Boy, did they look awful yesterday against the Sixers. Sixers. I mean, like a 44-point loss. It's just like uh, when you have like it's you're kind of going strength against strength. And um, yeah, it was just they've been super good in the clutch this season. But um, I still think that there's going to be a lot of regression for LeBron, at least efficiency wise going forward. And for the most part, in their like major pieces of their team, they've been pretty healthy. Um, so, like obviously, Jared Vanderbilt hasn't played yet. I am a little bit dubious of how much Jared Vanderbilt will play. Like going forward, I just I don't see him as an offensive piece that is someone that can play like huge huge minutes. He's like he's kind of like their Jonathan Isaac. Of where like you've got like you know tw- fifteen minutes a game where you can throw him out there and he can just be like this defensive menace. But yeah, th- I mean they're twenty fifth in os- offensive rating with LeBron playing the way he is. It's just uh, it's not ideal. So I think the Lakers are just going to continue to be the team, and you can continuously disagree on the whole season because I. Again, I'm ranking them how they are right now, so Vanderbilt's not a part of it. But I actually think Vanderbilt's going to play big minutes. He started for them last year, the whole regular season, when they were the best team mm-hmm. after the trade deadline. I think that's what's going to happen. I think we've talked a lot about like these Jaden McDaniel types for the Timberwolves. Like These guys are so important, and I think like Vanderbilt is a Jaden McDaniels-type defensive player. And I, I think he's going to be playing like high 20s when he comes back. I think he is a really big missing piece. So I had the Lakers 6. Okay. Um, and the big thing about the Lakers, and the reason that differentiated them for me when I went through pretty much all these teams, the Lakers have no bad losses. All eight of their losses are to good teams. They have not lost a single game to a bad team. Um, they're ninth in strength of schedule, so they've played a significantly harder schedule than all the teams I had behind them. Um, so I think that's another thing with the Lakers. When Once the schedule's even out, all of a sudden teams like 
the Thunder or the Mavericks are starting to play some a lot more harder competition, and the Lakers all of a sudden are like, oh, we've gotten a, co- a couple of our Kings games out of the way. Now we're playing the Pistons. Yeah. The Lakers, I think, are really due for positive regression record-wise just because they've played a tough schedule. Um, So I had them six, uh, mostly because I really do think their record is really more indicative of how difficult it's been. This is kind of what you see in the NFL a lot, like weird comparison, but like my Giants last year, they played a buttercup schedule. They go like nine and eight. This year they play a normal schedule. They're like four and 12. Mm -hmm. That's kind of schedule plays a huge part into your record, especially with the sample size this big. So yeah, I'm just a lot higher on the Lakers. I just think, I don't know. Yeah. I, this is gonna be the team we always yeah, fight about. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I, I see it. Like I, I again, like I can see them being a successful playoff team. Um, but I just, I don't know. I, I, I have not been very impressed, impressed with them um, at thus far in the regular season. Uh, um, at number ten, I had my Miami Heat. There we go. So, I have I have the Miami Heat at nine. So at nine, we're, we're kind of right similar. There. So the Heat are ten and seven. Uh, their best win is a one point win versus the Lakers. They blew out the Cavs by thirty two, but Mitchell didn't play in that game. Um, the Heat are 29th in strength of schedule. They have the second easiest schedule so far, um, and it's it's ten and seven. Is it's it's been, it's been un, it's been a little unconvincing. Yeah, I mean they've been the kind of team that wins the games that they're supposed to win. And that's like very heat culture of them. But I mean, yeah, there's there's no like stat other than maybe BAM's like personal stats that you can grab and like be like, I feel really good about this for the heat. Yeah. And like, again, this is kind of where I feel these teams will be in like an in-season tournament knockout round setting. I think like come playoff time, the heat will just find a way to be like, hey, we have a negative 20 point differential, but we're going to make it to the finals. It's kind of the heat are not a team you can rank rationally. And since this is mostly a regular season ranking, I feel a lot more comfortable putting them in the bottom of my rankings. Yeah, they, they haven't beaten anyone other than the Lakers. Again, they won by one where they allowed a wide open three pointer was the was the decision. Yeah, but not a bad one. It was to Cam Reddish. Um yeah, I just I need to see more from the Heat before I can respectfully put them ahead of some of the teams that I have ahead of them. Yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you. Like they they haven't been like overly dominant on defense. They've been not ninth in defensive rating, which is like if you're the Heat, like I expect you to be at Around least there. there. Um their offense has been okay, very middle of the road, 16th out in offensive rating. Um honestly, big part of this after watching that Knicks game like Left a oh, they terrible the, taste in my mouth. The Heat blew a huge lead to the Knicks. I so I turned that game on at halftime. And for anyone that didn't watch the Knicks Heat game on Friday, I believe it was, it was like basically a tie game at halftime. And then the Heat just go on this insane run. Like the Knicks cannot hit a shot. They went up by like 15 points yeah. or something. And they end up losing the game. They just like let Emmanuel quickly start going off. Jalen Brunson's getting whatever he wants. And the Heat are getting really bad offense at the end of that game. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah. I mean, that's my number nine team. I, I think we're yeah, very aligned, aligned. On, the, on the Heat. Uh, my number nine team is the Magic. We talked already a ton about the Magic. Best win. It's hard to pick. They've got Boston. They've got Lakers. They've got the Bucks. I said home versus Boston. I think that is their best win. Beating the Boston Celtics is really impressive. Um, yeah, I, uh, I don't know. We talked about the magic. I just think, yeah, in a, in a high stakes setting, there's going to be some offensive problems. Yeah. Yeah. I've got, um, I've got the magic at six. Okay. Um, we, we've already laid out why we like the magic and honestly, like this is a power ranking. They're on a heater right now. If I'm a magic fan, I'm talking about how I'm like 
booked up for June. You know, like the, the magic, <laughs> you guys have had a great start to your season. You guys have played really hard teams. Like feel great about yourselves. So who did you have at eight? So at eight, I had the Milwaukee Bucks. Wow. Okay. I had the Bucks at five. Um, yeah, mainly like one thing that really like freaked me out was their performance against the Portland Trailblazers over the weekend. It, if you're on this list, there is no reason you should be down 26 points to the Portland Trailblazers at any time during the season, like just flatly. That's it. Um, they've been okay. Uh, they've been pretty good on offense. There's six offensive rating, but like in this iteration of the Milwaukee Bucks, we have always known them as a dominant defensive team, and that is just not what they've been thus far in the season. They, they're they 20th in defensive rating, um, and the fit between Dame and Giannis just like has not been there yet. They're, they're still a, a negative um, two-man lineup. Um, it's very close to being even, but they're negative 0 0.4, um, which is a little concerning for, for me thus far into the season. Um, they have been incredible, like unsustainably incredible in the clutch this season, where if like, if those minutes go a different, a little bit differently, like I think back to that first game where they just like turned it on against the Sixers, like if, <laughs> got away with the travel. Yeah. It, I mean, <laughs> if that game happens today, I don't know if things go that way. Um, yeah, I think that Philly game was their best win so far. Um, Jay Crowder's out for like, it, it seems like he'll be out for a while, which I think he's a big part of, of what they hope to do this season. Uh, where, where did you have the bucks? I have them at five. Um, okay. so I have their best win home versus the Mavericks. Cause they actually won that game by a pretty decent margin game one versus Philly. It's game one. Again, yeah. if that Giannis doesn't get away with a blatantly obvious travel, they probably don't win that game. Mm -hmm. um, Having said that, and they've had a kind of a weird, quirky thing, they're 12 and 5. I mean, as for all the problems this team has, they're winning. And I think the reason I'm really high on them, especially in the, the setting that I've ranked them on, is Giannis has kind of gotten to that point in the regular season where he's like, I'm kind of sick of people shitting on us, so I'm just going to go score 35 points. Yeah. And yeah. when Giannis is kind of in like MVP Giannis mode, it, they're kind of unstoppable. I think there's, you know, Jokic has been so good, it's kind of really kind of like, you know, it's always kind of been, it's Jokic and it's Giannis are the two best guys, but it's really Jokic. And I think Giannis is a guy who can be like, all right, I'm, I'm sick of this. Like, I'm not in the discussion talk. Like, I can be that guy. And I think, I hate to dumb down basketball to like, their best player is really good. They're going to win. But like, I don't know. Giannis is just such a dominant two-way force. Like, what me and you were really scared about them in the beginning of the season was he just didn't even look right in that first game. It kind of looked like something was off. He kind of looks like he's fully back. And this is a team that I just think, like, they're still gelling. Mm -hmm. um, I just – I don't see a world where the Dame-Giannis lineups just don't work. It just makes too much sense on paper. So I'm I'm pretty high on this team. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I, I, I'm going to say it again. As a playoff team, I see it. Uh, like, but I would right be surprised now, yeah. if it didn't work. But they – the returns early have been so much worse than what I thought it was going to be. It, it Because – like you said, like it makes so much sense. And that's the one element of their team that like really hasn't worked out. The other reason why I have them a little bit lower is um, 
the Chris Middleton like injury management has been like very disappointing. Like at this point, if I'm a Bucks fan, I really was hoping that Chris would be a little bit further along to where like he could really be gelling in with the Dame and Giannis like just nexus of power and figuring out how like the three of them really work together because I think that really is the like core of it all. But I mean, dude, you're right. (laughs) That is what basketball is, especially in the NBA to a certain extent. It's like my guy is better than your guy (laughs) and they do have Giannis. Um, So I stand by it. I got him at eight. Um, There's a lot. These are the best teams in the league and um, it's early. Yeah. But um, who did who do you have at eight? So I had the Mavericks at eight. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Couldn't go any higher than that. As much as I, I love you, Luca. You're my guy. You're another one of my we have Luca, you don't type of guys, but yeah. their defense is so bad. Yeah, their defense is really, really, really bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, so at seven, Patrick, this was one of the hardest teams for me to rank. I have your Phoenix Suns. I also have my Phoenix Suns at seven. So best win, uh, home versus the Magic. A lot of these teams' best wins is the Magic. So shout out Magic. You know, a lot of these losses are from these other really good teams. Mm -hmm. Um, So here's the thing with the Suns. As I mentioned earlier, they're 11 and six, but eight and one with Devin Booker. This team was a completely different team with Devin Booker. But here's the kicker, Patrick. The Suns are 30th in strength of schedule. The Suns Mm -hmm. have had the easiest Mm -hmm. schedule in the entire NBA thus far. It's hard to know what to make of this team. Yeah, it's it's really hard. I mean, I've watched every single one of these games super, super closely. Um, And this team, first off, there is no team in the NBA that has more roster turnover than the Phoenix Suns. Their second most tenured player is Josh Okoge, who was on the team last year only. Um, But really what I'm grabbing as like a Suns fan and what I'm pointing at is... You already pointed out the Devin Booker of it all. They're 8-1. and one. They really should be undefeated in those Devin Booker games. Like, if you are throwing out the one, like, just insane spurs, like, Victor Wembenyama goes absolute <laughs> god mode on them. It was really weird. Like, Devin got hurt in the second half. But, I mean, you just got to hang your hat on... Devin Booker is averaging career highs in points, assists, and rebounds. And Kevin Durant has looked like Kevin Durant. He's averaging 31 points a game. He's missed the last two, but I expect him to be back um, by their next game. And they're just, they figured out a way through all of these injuries, not having Devin Booker, who like you see afterwards, like we were worried about their, their, Point guard play, Devin Booker was their whole plan as a point guard. Um, And to be able to like eke out 11 wins and a seven game win streak, even though it, I will say it was not against like the greatest of competition, I think is something like that is very promising that they've been able to figure it out. Um, Grayson Allen has been amazing for this team. Um, Yusuf Nurkic offensively has been an absolute coup. Um, I, 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 I'm feeling really great about the Suns. They're on a seven game win streak, but I'm with you. Like I can't put them any higher than this, this seventh spot. Um, like top end talent can only get you so far. Yeah. I mean, I have them right there with the Mavericks, another team that I'm like, 
I feel like they could beat any team in mm-hmm. a tournament setting, but I feel like they could lose to any of these other teams in a tournament setting. Um, yeah. Yeah, in the last 10 games, which has been pretty much Booker's um, season so far, they have 122 offensive rating, which is like right where like it's in God mode of offensive rating, like right there with the Pacers. Yeah, um, Booker's another one of those we have Booker, you don't type players. Exactly. Where it just it's man, Booker is Booker's so good, man. He's so good. He's so, <laughs> he's good. so good. We can have a we can have a conversation about how he's the best guard in the league later. Um, <laughs> Who did you have at number six? I had the Magic. Okay, the so Magic. we've talked about the yeah. Magic. I had the Lakers uh, at five. I had the Bucks. I had the Timberwolves. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I mean the Timberwolves have had just like an absolutely amazing start to the season. Um, they're the number one team in the West right now. Um, I, I mean, like I, I, they're fourth and plus minus. They have really great wins against a fully healthy Denver and a relative other than Derek white, a fully healthy Boston, like Boston had all of their top end talent. I'm just like a really, really big believer in their defense. You know what? You didn't mention what I wrote down as their best win. Oh, what, what, what did you have This is their best win? Home for Sixers. Another okay. one of those. They've beaten yeah. all these great teams, but I chose that one because it was kind of more of a beatdown. But, but um, what? Uh, Embiid didn't play in that game. Oh, Embiid didn't play in that game. Ah, there. okay. Good um, point, good point. So but then, yes, hey, even without Embiid, the Sixers have just been world beaters this year. So I'm right there with you. Um, but I mean, I've just been re- like... Gobert looking like Jazz Gobert has been really awesome on defense. Um, I was very dubious of the Anthony Edwards breakout season that everyone told me we were getting. And you know what? We're getting it. Yeah, me and you were definitely wrong on that one. Yeah, like, I don't know. Sometimes, like, people say it too much, and I'm like, this is not going to happen. Like, this guy's 23 years old. Let's just be a little bit more calm. But, I mean... Right now, he is averaging 26, almost six rebounds and five assists. Like, those are superstar numbers. Yeah. And, like, to be a major team in this league, you got to average superstar numbers like that. Yeah. I'm the only reason I, I felt like I was too afraid to let, rank the Timberwolves lower than where I had them. Uh, I had them at two okay. just because they've been so, so good. The only thing I will say, I'm curious, I, the, a lot of these best wins were at home. Yeah. Um, so it's one of those things again, where once the schedule flushes out over the course of the season, they probably don't two Oh Boston. They probably won one Boston. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah, I had them at two. I, I feel like I'll reason all season. I've been looking for, you know, reasons to be like a Timberwolves doubter and I can't find one. Uh, they're awesome. I'm I just going to stop. I'm going to stop too. being a hater. This team's a lot of fun. I think this team is really, really good. Again, they've, they're 12 and four, like four losses at this point in the season is, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's really, really good. And they, they're without Jaden McDaniels right now. But um, if they can sustain this through that injury, which should be like maybe another two yeah. weeks. I think the other thing too, it's like one of those weird things with like Gobert where like last year, it's like everyone's kind of frustrated. You have like Edwards is like, I can't dunk because Rudy's in the game. And it's a little like, I don't, no one really wants to show up to work. But now it's like the complete opposite vibes where this team is just like, we're going to kick your ass. We're going to defend like crazy. We're the best defense in the NBA. I don't know. They're a fun team. I had them at number two. So It's funny. You put the Timberwolves at number two, and I didn't tell you where I put the Thunder. I had the Thunder at number three. Wow. And like, <laughs> Oh, my God. It, for those of you that are maybe listening to us for the first time, the Timberwolves have been my like 
since preseason team that I'm like, this team's going to be way better than you think. And the Thunder have been James's team. And I think both of us are overcompensating for being too low <laughs> on these teams. Um, but anyways, uh, not to get out of order. Um, who did you have at five? I had the Bucks. You had the Bucks. Okay, we talked about the Bucks. So who did you have at four? So you had the Timberwolves at four. I had the Timberwolves at five. Oh, okay. So at four, this is the team. I had the Denver Nuggets. I again, I'm I ranking the them, Nuggets I'm ranking well. them without Murray. Uh, best win away at the Thunder. They That was a dominant win. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, without Murray, it's just like this team is, you know, pretty hard to stop still because Jokic is just that good. But without Murray, you've, you kind of see that they can drop these very games they should win otherwise. Um, yeah, like I just I can't put them in my top three. With yeah. Murray out. yeah, five and five in their last 10, which all of those have been without Murray. But just like you said, like it's a, a little bit concerning. I, I think we've there was like this air of invincibility that the Nuggets had coming into the season where it, it felt like even if like they were without like anyone but Jokic for any like stretch, p- stretch yeah. they would be fine. And this uh, stretch without Murray has proved that that is not the case whatsoever. Yeah. Like they are just another team, just like any one of these contenders. Like we, we've talked about the Suns. We've talked about the Lakers. We've talked about... Um, the Sixers, we've talked about the Celtics. Maybe the Celtics are a little bit uh, more separated from this. But like any one of these teams, if they're without one of their top two guys, it's like they're not a championship contender in the same way. Um, one uh, stat that I found for the Nuggets that is a little bit concerning. Do you know they're dead last in free throw percentage? Ooh. Um, they're shooting 70% from the line. See, that's one of those stats though, where I'm like, that'll come back up. That's like, it's one of those weird things where when a stat is so bad, I'm like, it's a good sign for that. It's just like crazy. I will say the one thing about the Nuggets is every time I've watched them this season, even in their losses, it feels like the other team's getting away with something when they win against them because Jokic has just been that good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. The, the Nuggets are just kind of a weird team. Like, I, I watched the Magic Nuggets game is one of the games I watched to prepare for the Magic, and it's just like, I don't know. No one, no one really has an answer for Jokic, and it's yeah. like they're, they're beatable when you replace Jamal Murray with Reggie Jackson, and you're going from like an elite point guard to like a you know a bench level point guard. But it's like, I don't know, man. They just have so many possessions where Porter's wide open at three, or Aaron Gordon is just overpowering somebody that like. I feel I feel like they could still beat any team on this list, even without Murray, but I would not pick them to. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm in pretty much the same. And the the bench has been very mixed returns so far. We're doing this podcast after the um revitalization of DeAndre Jordan's career last night. <laughs> oh yeah, they just beat the Clippers without Jokic. But um yeah, very mixed. Like there's moments where I see Peyton Watson and I'm like, I see it. Like this dude's hyper athletic like he's just all over the place but also like he'll just disappear for stretches where you just like don't notice him at all uh the one guy on their bench that like i think is like really a dude is christian brown like yeah he's he's really really good um and i i I love him for them but yeah i i also had the nuggets at four um all right so at three you had the thunder i had the thunder i had the 
Philadelphia 76ers. There we go. I had them at two. Uh, Lay it out, man. Best win, home versus Boston. Patrick, this team has had the third hardest schedule in the NBA so far, and they're still 12-5. and five. This team is awesome, bro. Embiid is leveled up as a passer. The coaching improvement, you just see it. Nurse, Nurse for stock is a whole new world of Sixers yeah. basketball. Maxi is awesome. Since the Clippers trade, they've got all this size with Covington. Even Batum is a tall dude. This team's freaking awesome. 6.3 assists. Yes. 6.3 assists per game for Joel Embiid. Embiid is creeping back into the... I, I, I don't know, man. I, I know Jokic right now is like the betting favorite. I think Luka is second. But Embiid is just going to keep rearing his head into the MVP discussions for as long as he's going. Because, man, the guy is freaking good. Oh, he's so good. He's so good. Yeah. I feel kind of the same way about Joel's MVP candidacy as I did about Jokic's last year. Because there was this like kind of, I think, hollow narrative last year about Jokic of like, oh, like he can't win three in a row. He just, he just can't win three in a row because he just can't. And <laughs> we just don't want to give it to him. But you know what? At the end of the day, he was right there in it because he was that good. And just the way they've responded to the Harden situation is just so promising. I mean, you touched on... Nurse has made all the difference for them. Um, yeah, I mean, you just got to be over the moon if you're a Sixers fan. Yeah, I mean, this team's just like, again, it's one of those things where I know we've had these like playoff flameouts. So it's like, I feel like as like a league, you know, fandom of people are just really low on Embiid. But Embiid, like, literally since his 30 game rookie year, has proven to be like one of these players who just like, if he plays, your team wins 50 games minimum. Like, he's one of those transcendent type talents for, for regular season basketball and i don't know man the sixers are just hard to stop like the it's kind of one of those weird things we talk so much about cohesion like Giannis dame the pick and roll it's like you envision like you know Giannis sets this high screen and then dame can shoot you picture perfect cohesion the sixers are almost the opposite where maxi and Embiid, i still feel like are not the greatest fit on paper you know what i mean it's like maxi wants to play at a thousand miles per hour and Embiid wants to play half court but it makes them this hard team to stop right because you some possessions you go down you get the Embiid face up then all of a sudden, the next possession, the Sixers are a thousand miles up the court. And I feel like the Sixers have a crazy changeup game, whereas, which we talked about with the Magic, they don't have a changeup game. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you exactly like the Sixers are third in offensive rating. Offensively, they can just beat you in so many different ways. Like if they're, if they got their wings going on a certain night, like they're going to be bombing threes, they're going to, they're going to hit it. Obviously, most of those games, it's going to be, you're going to die at the sword of Joel Embiid, just slicing your head off. Tyrese Maxey has been an absolute problem all season. Probably the the leader in the uh, most improved race. Oh, 100%. I would assume. Um, yeah, he's been awesome. I mean, any, anytime you've got a guard averaging 26 points a game and almost seven assists, like, I mean, it's just been... It's been really a, like a magical season for the 76ers so far. And like, knock on wood that they can stay healthy. Also, the Tobias Harris piece. Yeah, it's playing way better. Totally revitalized. It makes sense again. Um, they're four and four in their last eight. So the, there's been a, a small, cool off period. A small bit of, of cool off. But when you start off that hot, it's okay. Okay. And, and beating the Thunder, that's good. Uh, I had their best win though is home versus Boston. Yeah. Great win oh, for them. Absolutely. Um, Especially just like 
considering their franchises. Like, it doesn't matter if, like, all of Boston's starters are out, which they weren't, but, like, for the Sixers to beat the Celtics. Like, yeah, that's such a huge. good game for them. Uh, at number two, I had the Timberwolves. I presume you had the Sixers there. I did have the Sixers there. Yeah. And at number one, we both had the Boston Celtics. Yeah, I mean, there's not really a lot to say about this team. Uh, best win away at the Sixers. Uh, Patrick, crazy stat. Second most difficult schedule in the NBA, and they still have the league's best record. Are you to a point where you would say the, the Celtics should be the favorite to win the championship? Oh, ah. There's just something about this Celtics team that we've seen in like high leverage playoff moments where something's something's missing. I hear you, but this is not the same Celtics team. You know, we've got huge pieces that are, that are new. The did you look into any of the the lineup data for well, their starting? I know lineup? all their lineups are killing, but the reason why it's like I can't I would take the field over the Celtics is just it's like this is the team um the year they went to the finals versus the Warriors they had like that crazy net rating I don't know if you remember 538 was like this team is guaranteed to win the title they're just the most yeah. dominant team ever and I'll be they should have won the title I think they were better than that Warriors team but it's that weird thing that you see versus the Heat where it's just like something just seems to go wrong up up top Yeah I I hear you let me just say this out loud the Holiday, Porzingis, Brown, Tatum, White lineup. They have 127 offensive rating, and they have a 93 defensive rating. And they've pretty much the largest sample size uh, yeah, they play a lot in the league of like a starting five. Like This team is undefeated at home. They're number one in margin of victory. Their losses have come against the Timberwolves, who have been awesome. The Sixers, who have been awesome. The Magic, who have been awesome. And then the Hornets somehow. <laughs> but um, Tatum, I think, has taken like a little bit of a step forward. We'll see if that can sustain. You've talked like I, I agree with you. They have like a little like weird thing when when Brown and Tatum get like deep into the playoffs. But one of these years, they're just going to grow out of that. I yeah, think. and I, I will say to the Celtics' credit, the year they went to the finals, I know Tatum had the shoulder injury. Game seven versus Miami this year when they almost came all the way back from 3-0. They, I think Tatum, I think hurt his ankle like almost right when the game started. So they have like sneakily not been this like healthy team, even though you see Tatum playing the whole time. So I don't want to do a whole like this team's too mentally weak because there has been injuries. It's been a part of it. But I mean, I have them as the number one team. Yeah, I think yeah, they are yeah. the best team in the NBA. Even but if you wouldn't put them past the Nuggets right now. A fully healthy Nuggets, I still think, would be my favorite, but the Celtics would easily be number two for me. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm, uh, you know, I'll, I'll go there. Uh, from what I've seen on the court, I think the Celtics should be the favorite to win the championship right now. They've just been so impressive. And you, you know, the other thing, like, we've talked about how this Celtics under Joe Missoula, they live and die by the three. They're not even shooting that well from three right now. You know, like, Tatum shooting 36%. Um, Drew Holiday's shoot, shooting 33%. Like, that's two, like, guys that are closer to, like, a 40% shooter. Like, no one's shooting over 40% other than Sam Hauser on their team. And this is early, so I, I expect, like, those numbers to get a little bit better. I, at the very least, this is going to be one of the more dominant regular season teams 
that I think we've seen in the last 20 years. Yeah. I mean, I guess uh, to, to really put the point on the emphasis of why I have Boston number one, my only gripe with them has nothing to do with it's all vibes number it's all vibes my gripe is literally vibes focused um yeah this is the best team in the nba yeah there's literally nothing to nitpick at again and even what you said like they lose to the timberwolves Derek white's not playing i know Derek white's probably like fourth or fifth in guys you pick on their roster but like Derek white's really freaking good and he's a connector and he's a really big part of what they do so it's like when they have their five which they normally do this is a pretty healthy team overall right now like I don't know, man. Like they're they're tough to stop. I would it's definitely scary. take them in both a playoff series against the, these teams as is, and a play in tournament. Even though they lost to the Magic, but mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I I love this Celtics team. They're really good, man. Uh, going through it, I I don't know, man. I feel I feel like an idiot for putting the Thunder at eleven. I, I don't I'm just know. like I'm just picturing them versus these other teams, and I'm like, I know they could beat the Mavericks. Like, I know they could beat the Suns, but they just haven't. They haven't done it. Yeah, they haven't done it. And, you know, it's still early. They're still super young. They have been playing above their skis a little bit. Um, I will, like, say that just, like, outright. Like, Chet Chet was shooting, like, 50% from three up until, like, last week. Yeah. Like, that's just insane and unsustainable. Um, but the, the, the main, like, I think thing that we see in each one of these teams that we feel really great about is that they have a real MVP candidate. Yeah. And that's that's the thing that you can say about the uh Thunder yeah, with, with Shea. Very, very much confidence. Shea has just been that good. And this is the second season that he's been there. Um, and we've seen a little bit of a, I think, a boost in his de- defense as well. Um, so uh, I don't think you should beat yourself up. All right, Patrick, that is going to take us to best take, worst take. Um, I know the Thunder fans are putting me for worst take. <laughs> um, but uh, let's start with the best takes of the week. Um, so every week, Patrick and I go through the best takes and the worst take from the NBA media. We then choose which of the worst takes between us was the worst take of the week. At the end of the month, and it is the end of the month, all the worst takes of the week are going to go against each other to crown the worst take of the month. At the end of the season, we crown the worst take of the year. Patrick, what is your best take? My best take. This is a a very Homer best take of me. Okay. But I I had to give it to my guy, Devin Booker, this week. Because um, for, for anyone that missed it, and I don't blame you for missing it at all, um, DeAndre Ayton made his triumphant return to Phoenix this last week. And, um, he played pretty well. He, um, especially in the first half, he was, he was, um, scoring pretty effectively, just that midi on offense. Um, the Suns ended up winning the game. And as any Suns fan would know, his production trailed off pretty intensely in the, in the second half. And, when Devin Booker was asked about facing DeAndre Ayton, he said, it's fun. He played extra hard tonight. I seen that. And my challenge for him is to play like that every night. And, you know, players don't do this. Like, players don't call out other guys on other teams. And, like, this is just quintessential what I love about Devin Booker is he just doesn't give a shit. He's going to say exactly how he feels about a situation. Even when like there's obvious bad blood and the media like 
can take this and run with it, which I'll tell you, the Arizona media absolutely did. Like, I love that he said that because it's true. DeAndre Ayton, you could be one of the best centers in the league, but you just don't play hard enough and you don't play consistent enough. Yeah, Patrick, you know what? I, 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 if you had said this this week, if the trade had happened this week, I think I'd have to retroactively give you the best take because me and you debated a lot off camera this like Aiden for Nurkic trade. I was pretty low on it. You were loving it. And you've definitely been right. Just watching a lot of Suns games, Nurkic is playing with so much effort. He's tough. He's physical. Um, man, I watched the Aiden. Like, the, the Blazers beat the Pacers last night, which is a big win for the Blazers. But, like, man, Aiden had, like, a, a really bad turnover where, like, it was one of those things where I think it actually happened twice where they're inbounding the ball to him and he's just kind of like waiting for the basketball and Miles Turner is like, dude, I'm just going to climb over the top of you and steal this. And he did it twice and it's one of those things where it's like, Aiden, you got to try, man. You have mm-hmm. like, his motor is horrible. I mean, we talked about, I don't, did we talk about it on the podcast, his ghost screens? Yeah, we that did last week. that was going viral. Like, I mean, hey, I had a little bit of an advantage. I think I watched every single game of DeAndre Aiden's career. Up until I think I got uh, I got I think I got hoodwinked by that like that playoff run where he looked like he was Hakeem Olajuwon oh for like gosh. two weeks. I did too. I did too. But yeah, I mean, hey, honestly, Nurkic hasn't even been the best player that we got out of that trade. Grayson Allen has been absolutely unbelievable. He's like playing point for us. He's been awesome on defense. He's shooting forty percent from three. What is your best take? Uh, my best take, really like this take. Kevin Garnett. He said we're so hung up on their yesteryears of culture. We're missing out on the greatness in front of us. And I just love that quote, man. The one thing I've always hated about the NBA media landscape is all we do after anyone does anything cool is compare them. Like Anthony Edwards has this great game versus the Celtics. Immediately Twitter's on the, who would you rather have? Shea Gildas Alexander or Anthony Edwards? Can we just like appreciate these guys or like not try to compare them versus, you know, people in the past too, I think is really annoying. Also like the whole... I don't know. I just feel like sometimes we don't really appreciate what we're watching sometimes with basketball. And like, we're so hung up on like ranking guys historically or putting things into historical context. Just like, just appreciate what's happening. Hey, I I hear you. I hear you. And you know what? I think I need to take your, uh, your advice a little bit because I might do that a little bit too much, but KG is definitely right there. Yeah. All right, James, are you ready? You ready to get into what really matters? The worst takes. It's the worst takes of the week. You want to go first? You want to go second? I'll go second. I'll go second. So I think mine might win this week. Uh, Rashad McCants, he said, quote, real hoopers know. So anytime a real hoopers know is the first three words in a sentence, a, ho- a legendarily bad it's take. A it's a candidate. It's a candidate. That Kevin Durant is going to go down as a better basketball player than LeBron at the end of the road. I, I don't know like if that's like when you go and there's a fork in the road and you end up like at a dead end, but in no world will Kevin Durant go down as a better player than LeBron James. I mean, accolades-wise, LeBron hasn't beat. Uh, Statistics-wise, LeBron hasn't beat. Um, cultural impact-wise, LeBron hasn't beat. I don't, I don't even know what single thing Durant hasn't beat at. I, I, I mean, Free throw like, shooting? Off the dribble <laughs> shooting, I guess. But like, I, I just don't get like why guys like this can't just say like, I like Kevin Durant more than LeBron. Like, is that hard? Or, or do you have to, like, rope in everyone that's ever touched a basketball on your absolutely terrible take, Rashad McCants? Yeah, it's just like, like, Durant is one of the greatest players of all time. Like, no one is doubting that. But it's like, we're talking about LeBron, LeBron James. Yeah. No, I'm with you. That's, that's an awful take. That's an awful take. <laughs> what is your worst take? My worst take of the week goes to DeMar DeRozan 
who a real hooper, a real hooper, <laughs> who was uh, hooping in the in-season tournament. The Bulls were playing the Raptors, and the Raptors had the game in hand. And Pascal Siakam took a late three to because a big um, tiebreaker in the in-season tournament is point differential. So the Raptors were trying to improve their point differential. It didn't end up mattering, but he was trying. And DeMar said, take the win. Get out of here. If roles were reversed, needing in-season tournament points or not, just for the respect I have for my opponents, I hold the ball, which is complete bullshit. Are you kidding me, DeMar DeRozan? You, if, if the Bulls were in it, you wouldn't even try to increase your point differential? Like, that's not only is that, like, not true, like, I know that you would, but, like, it's stupid if it, if it is true. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, the Bulls are, are a mess. This is the best player on the Bulls, presum- him or Levine, presumably. And if that's the mindset, like, that speaks to the record. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it, it speaks to everything. Like, like, I don't know what else to say about it. And, like, just look at, um, at the very end of the Suns-Grizzlies game, Booker jacked up a late three, and that the Suns are one point ahead of, in point differential of, now, I, now I'm like forgetting which team. But basically, it ended up mattering. It ended up being the reason why the Suns are probably going to get the wild card. And like, I just can't believe that DeMar DeRozan like w- would like feel that way. That like the respect of like... The respect thing is so stupid. No one is going to remember the next day what the score of the game was it, every time this happens it's like it's like a twitter storm for like 20 minutes and then everyone forgets no one cares about the margins of victory in these games like a win is a win a loss is a loss regardless of the score right like maybe statistically we can derive more meaning from certain things but like when it comes to something like that like dude like if you don't like it then play defense exactly and it's just like not like there's a reason they're not disrespecting you yeah, if you're a real hooper, play the full 48. Exactly, exactly. I just thought that was like an absolutely terrible, terrible take. And it's bad for the NBA. Like the NBA is trying to push this in-season tournament product and you're actively trying to be like, hey guys, like, no, 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 no. Don't, don't, don't do that. We got to respect each other and just stand around for the last minute of every game. Like what? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, what are, what what are the what are the teams supposed to do? Just like what is the that's what I've never understood about it in basketball because it's not like it's not like football where a team can like run the clock out, right? You know what I mean? Like and just like kneel it. Like basketball, there's a shot clock. What what do you guys? What do you want guys to do? Just like rack up turnovers by exactly. racking up twenty four second violations, like. And in terms of like a three versus a two, like, do you think the guy on offense is even thinking about like, oh, I'm going to shoot a three and run up the score versus like, I'm going to take a contested, like what? It, I don't, I hate it. I hate and it. And there's just a reason they're not running up the score. There's yeah, a reason. never be blowout wins? Honestly, my big take from this point differential thing that we've seen, I think point differential should be a tiebreaker for playoffs because it's been awesome to see these guys play all the way to the bell and... I don't know. I just, it got me upset. Look, losing players, losing mentalities have losing records. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of DeMar DeRozan, real hoopers tend to be DeMar DeRozan fans and real hoopers tend to take a lot of L's. Uh, we remember uh, Lebronto. Yeah. We remember Lebronto, <laughs> yeah. DeMar. Yeah. Um, all right. So between Rashad McCants, 
and and Demar Derozan, who had the worst take of the week, because they're both re- this is a this is a strong week for bad takes. Yeah, these are both pretty bad takes. They're, they're very different. It's like one's a like a really big picture bad take, and one's like a very in the moment bad take. I think I think the McCants one is something you hear once in a while, not as often. And I think the Demar one we hear like six times a season. Yeah, but the Demar one has the extra wrinkle of like. I would forfeit my my in season tournament playoff spot over yeah. this which to be like cool with to be cool Gary Trent Jr. <laughs> Real Hooper, bro. Um, this is a tough one. I don't Max. Max, what do you what do you think, Gary? Are you leaning either way? Um, I want to say uh, the DeRozan one's pretty bad. <laughs> it's pretty bad. I've, I'm yeah. leaning towards that one. I think for sure. I'm cool nominating that one. I, okay. Yeah, I think I think I'm cool with it too. Okay, we're gonna nominate Demar Derozan for the worst take of the week. Congratulations, Demar! At least you won something. <laughs> um. So now that it's the end of the month, we have the worst takes of the month. Patrick, you actually not that we we're not, we're not really competing for best take worst take, but you three won me in terms of bringing the worst takes to the table this month. So you know, I was I was really scrounging for the worst <laughs> of the worst. I really you know. Real worst takers know that uh, it takes a worst taker to see a worst taker, and that's me. Um, so here are our contenders for the worst take of the month. DeMar DeRozan, we just went over that. Metal World Peace, quote, I want to talk to Draymond, make sure he's okay. That's something I didn't expect from Draymond uh, in reference to fighting Rudy Gobert. Uh, Lil Wayne, quote, if the Lakers want to be a championship team, they have to get rid of Anthony Davis. That one. That bad. is so that crazy. One's bad. That's such a bad one. Uh, Isaiah Thomas quote: "Bull Bull may be the Phoenix Suns' best ball handler and passer." <laughs> Hall of Fame bad take from a Hall of Fame player. Man, it's between two. There's a it's clear the Lil Wayne two. and the Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, it's yeah. Little Wayne and Isaiah Thomas. Damn. The Lil Wayne one is just so abhorrently bad because it's like if they got rid of Anthony Davis and weren't able to replace him with one of. Giannis, Jokic, and Embiid. Like, I don't know, man. Yeah, there's just no way that they would be better. So, it, I will say, coming into today, I like the whole month ever since you brought that Isaiah Thomas one, I was like, best take, worst take is basically a, a junk segment for the rest of the month because that take is so flamingly terrible. Yeah, that one is so bad. It's How? so bad. I think the only thing that makes the Lil Wayne even a discussion is the Lil Wayne is a definitive one where it's like, if the Lakers want to be championships, they have to get rid of AD. Yeah. Whereas Isaiah's Bull Bull, maybe. Maybe. He left himself like an out right there. <laughs> if we were, like, when we have him on the podcast, <laughs> he's going to take that out. Um, okay, who are you voting for? I'm voting for Isaiah Thomas, man. Okay. I just... The Lil Wayne one would probably win any other month, and yeah. I think it is. I mean, the Lil Wayne one is just is just so it's so stupid. But the Isaiah Thomas one is like, dude, you are a Hall of Fame point guard. You know, Bull Bull is not a better ball handler than than Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant. Yeah, fucking whoever the third string point guard is is probably yeah. a ball handler. Like, come Jordan on, man, Goodwin. you know that. Yeah, and yeah, a passer. I mean- I'm a yeah, passer. <laughs> Bull Bull's never passed a day in his life. I, Patrick, I think this take is gonna win worst take of the year. I, I, I'm, I'm in. I think this is the worst take of the month. Isaiah Thomas, but there's nothing else to say. 
it's, it's an a, awful take. It's awful. Do you, how do you feel about Lil Wayne versus Isaiah? Um, I think Isaiah Thomas has got to take the cake on that. <laughs> like that passing. Does, it doesn't make any sense. I'm 100% with that. <laughs> All right. So our worst take of the month winner, Isaiah Thomas. Bull Bull may be the Phoenix Suns' best ball handler and passer. He joins Kenyon Martin, who had the worst take of the month last month, who said, real hoopers know Kyrie Irving is a better basketball player than Luka Doncic. We're, we're <laughs> building quite the starting five. This is a crazy uh, library of bad takes. Of bad takes. Um, Wow, shout out to uh, in, in Memoriam, DeMar DeRozan, Lil Wayne, and Metal World Peace. We'll never forget. Yeah, you guys brought some heat. I, th- I think generally our contenders this month were, were better than our contenders last month. This was a spicy month for takes. And, and I think it's only going to get better as we go uh, in the season. Because like, really, like Stephen A. hasn't been heard from very much. Skip hasn't been heard from very much. Well, I mean... Do you do you have a worst take of the year from last year that you might have? I think I have a clear winner from last year. I don't have one off the top of my head. Last year, I think the worst take of the year has to go to Scottie Pippen. I think he just said at one point Michael Jordan was not a good basketball player before I got there, which <laughs> that's emotional. I, I think that's the worst take I've ever heard. That yeah, that's a pretty bad take. Michael Jordan was really good. He had uh, like the the single greatest rookie of the year campaign ever, but like sure, Scottie. dropped like how many points in that playoff game versus hey. the Celtics? Like I don't know, man. Honestly, if, not a good basketball player if, though. If my like co-star of like uh, over a decade's son was like getting <laughs> married my to my ex-wife. I, I might say that they also weren't a good basketball player. That's, <laughs> that's something true. that's like a pretty tame insult. Yeah, that's something I might do. Uh, but when you put it out in public, you nominate yourself for worst take. So. That's true. That's true. You put yourself on notice for foul trouble. <laughs> yeah. um, well, thank you guys for watching. This is a great worst take. I, I mean, I don't know if that one's going to get beat. Yeah, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. <laughs> it's going to be tough. Hope you guys enjoyed. We will see you on Friday. Peace.